K-A-L-W. So I'm here in the media center today, a place I've been coming to for the past seven years. I've spent countless hours down here producing radio stories. This is Uncuffed, a project created by incarcerated people at San Quentin and Solano State Prisons. I'm Greg Eskridge, and I'm coming at you today from the San Quentin side of the world. So I'm excited to be here today with some of my co-producers, some of the fellas down here in the studio. Today with me, I have Shakur. What it do? Edmund. What's going on, y'all? And Bun. What's up? All right, well, how y'all doing today, man? What's going on with y'all, man? What's up with everybody? How y'all doing? We chilling right now, yeah, man. all is well. So I asked you guys to come here today because I want to play this story for you guys I produce, and I want to talk about it a little bit. One thing that this story brought up for me was the idea of coming back to something you love. So, for example, I remember when I was young, right? My uncle used to, you know, he was like a carpenter, uh, like a mechanic, and, you know, he was one of those real handymen, right? And so I used to love playing with those tools and, and, and being around him and like my step pops, right? Sure. And so for years, I got away from that. Mm-hmm. And so recently, about, I'll say maybe about a year and a half, two years ago, I got a job in the plumbing shop. Mm-hmm. And man, when I got around those tools, I was like a little kid again, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. I felt like a little kid when I got my hand on the vice grips and the and the wrenches and the hammer. Man, I was in there trying to take apart everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so my question to y'all today, man. So, so what is something that you once loved and got away from, and now you found yourself back at that love again? Edmund, go ahead and start us off, bro. Man, for me, I remember I used to love basketball. Middle school, played it every day. Mm-hmm. When I got into high school, you know, that's that. At a adolescence age, you start liking girls, you like <laughs> really trying to find out who you are and how you fit in. Like, and I stopped playing basketball. So when I came back to prison in 2012, just thinking I still had it, I stepped back onto the basketball court. And like I'm doing my doing my stuff. And I'm I'm jumping so high. <laughs> like, literally, look, I'm 5'6", but I can pretty much get my forearm over the rim. Okay. You know what I'm saying? This is how high I'm jumping. Like Spud Webb? So it's like, man, <laughs> and I come back down, and I land on my ankle, and it breaks. Oh, man. Man, but I love basketball so much, man. Like, I'm willing to, like, sustain injuries, heal, and just come right back to it. That's how much I love that sport. So the reason why I asked you this question was because I did a story about Cleo Cloman, right? Mm. And it actually the story was called Restoring Family. So I met Cleo here in San Quentin, and Cleo told me that he once had a real love for baseball when he was young, but got away from that love of baseball. And also, he talked about his father and how he was able to rebuild that relationship. Mm. Okay. Yeah, so, here first it, play, man. so here it is, Restoring Family. Here we go. So my family life was a blessing and a curse. Um, I had both of my parents as a blessing. My mother and my father they was there. The curse was that there was addiction in my household, um, particularly by my father. Um, he was an alcoholic, he was a drug user, and he was a womanizer. Um, and that played a big, big toll in, in my household. 
one thing that I realized my dad loved was sports. Um, so that was my like my number one priority. It's like I had to excel in sports in order to get my dad to smile. Um, when we were outside our home, we was in the community playing sports, I seen my dad light up like the brightest star in the world. And when I watched him watch me play, um, I could see how how proud he was. And I did everything possible to keep that 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 proudness that he wore on his face. My dad tried his best, but he changed. He became a different person. In the home, he was a monster. Outside the home, he was he was my my magical creature, my best friend, the person that I enjoyed being around. And it was just feeling like I was living two different lifestyles. I didn't know how to deal with what I was going through. I didn't even understand what I was going through. I knew I felt something. I felt a sense of fear. Uh, I felt a sense of um, nervousness, but I couldn't understand where it was coming from. I didn't understand what to do with it. I thought, you know, things that I did um, was gonna change the feeling, was gonna allow me to build that relationship with my father. Um, but nothing I did inside the home worked. I started going outside my home to find things to feel good. And one thing that I started doing was smoking weed, drinking, um, having sex more often. And these things were allowing me to feel better about myself. But it, I realize now it was an escape. It was a place where I didn't have to deal with what I was dealing with at home, which was the fear and the nervousness of what my dad is gonna do next. I eventually went to the streets and got away from baseball and lost my focus on my hopes and dreams. What the streets did was, it painted a picture like it was all fine and dandy and it was gonna be much greater than baseball, but all along, the darkness overcame me. So I started committing crimes for money, I started robbing for money, and thinking money was gonna solve all my problems. But what I lacked was the education of money. So the things that I was robbing for, I was just spending it on frivolous stuff, clothes, jewelry, drugs, parties. And when that money was spent, I went right back to what I knew, how to go rob and take from others. On January 16, 1996, it was just like any other ordinary day for me. I was gonna go commit a robbery for money so I could support my habit and my greed. That was one of the choices that has changed my life forever. I made a choice to go commit a robbery and in the process of robbing a grocery store manager, um, he stood up for his right to live and he was murdered for that. I am responsible for Mr. Soho being murdered and I received 25 years to life in prison with the possibility of parole. So 2011, right after Thanksgiving holidays, um, I was transferred to San Quentin. Um, and as driving up on a bus um, to r and I was looking out the window and I seen something that just made me smile and brought this, this feeling to my, my heart, my mind, my soul. I could feel it all the way to my feet. And it was just a baseball field. And I remember walking down the stairs, walking past the tables, and just coming down and smelling the grass. But when I took that first step on the grass in left field, everything went silent. 
All I could remember was the texture of the grass underneath my feet. It seemed like I could smell the dirt. I could smell the crowd, the snack stands. It was like a, a transcending feeling. And somebody hit the ball to me, and I remember the sound of the crack. It just said, crack. And I'm watching the ball fly in the air, and it's coming closer closer. I got underneath it, perfect form, perfect technique. And I heard that ball hit the glove, and then at that moment, it was, it was no stopping me. All I kept thinking about was that little kid running around the bases, hitting the balls in the gap, uh, clapping hands with my teammates. And I thought about my dad, you know, how he would feel um, if he could just come here and watch me play again. My dad is my best friend. And I realized something. If I hate my dad, I hate myself. If I love myself, I love my dad because I am my dad. I have the same qualities as my dad. My dad is compassionate. My dad is humble. My dad is outgoing. My dad is loving. My dad is a people's person. And those are the same qualities and characteristics that I display. And I learned that from him. So that was Cleo Cloman and the story I produced called Restoring Family. Man, that was powerful stuff, man. In the story where he said um, his father in the household, his father was a monster. You know, I had a stepfather that came into my life at a young age and um, he started off like really cool, but then mm. eventually, you know, it got bad. You know, the, the abuse, you know, the violence. Right. It's a trip to hear Cleo say that he was a different person in the house because my, my step pops was like that. In the house, he was whooping ass. But when he got out there in the streets around other people, yeah. I'm like, this dude act like he was a saint. I'm like, like, <laughs> damn, man, where is all that at when we in the household? You know what I mean? Right, so yeah. I was in one of these uh, self-help groups, and we had to write a an unfinished business letter. Mm -hmm. And so what it is, is that's like you, you, you get a letter and you just write it to somebody, but you don't have to mail it out. So what I did was I wrote my stepfather a letter, and I basically forgave him for everything that took place in my life. So what's your take on it, Shakur? It's an uh, interesting take to this story is understanding like, what did our parents go through? Mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. like my dad, for instance, like he was a World War II veteran and uh, he, was, he was captured during the war and tortured, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And he's from the Jim Crow South, right? Uh, mm -hmm. So in my home, right, like I would get whippings for like missing church. Like, he would whoop my ass, literally. Right. And he was a barber by trade, so I would get these whippers with this razor strap, Ooh. right? And oh, his, man. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, man. his mentality was spare the rod, spoil the child, yeah. right? right? And so he felt like he was doing a good thing. But what has helped me get past that is understanding the trauma that he went through, like what was going on in his life right. that made him who the person that he is. For sure, man. Yeah. Uh, what resonated with me was was the part when he was talking about like this duality inside the home and outside the home. Yeah. And that kind of brought me back to like the relationship with my father inside the home. And inside the home, it, it was the same thing, straight chaos. Like he was this different person. Like he was also uh, an addict, alcoholism, PTSD from the war. My father stepped out of my life when I was 12 years old. 
Yeah. So I haven't seen him for 20 years, but I recently got a chance to reconnect with him. So one of the things that I brought up to him was like, look, this is this is how I feel about our relationship. And we need to build this, but it's going to be hard because I'm in prison. However, my son is out there. You need to build build this relationship with him. Whatever that we missed when I was growing up, you have a chance to like make amends with my son. Being a father and not being able to like step up like I want to, mm-hmm. I feel like this is the perfect opportunity to have my father step up like he should have. So, Bun, how do you feel about the topic? What resonated with me with his story was um, when he said at the end, if I love myself, I have to love my father. And for a long time, I hated my father because my father was a Khmer Rouge soldier in Cambodia. I never met him. He died in, in a war. He, he was a mass murderer. Where we come from, being, being of that bloodline is a disgrace. And like you are, you are the cause of millions of people dying. So growing up in the, in the camps, everybody really hated me because they knew who I was. They knew who my father was. When I came to San Quentin and did a lot of programs, and I started understanding him and understanding what he went through. You know, he was a soldier, he's fighting. And, you know, I had to understand that, what he was fighting for, why he left. And I forgave him. That's deep. And for forgiving him, I love myself and I love him. So and now, now I have kids too. And I always told myself, when I have kids, they will know me. They're not gonna guess who I am, what I am, and how I am. So I've been away from my kids all their life, but I keep in contact. Right. And and, and sometimes when I see my older son, I was like, what is this guy thinking? But then I see me, I was like, what was I thinking? I really never asked my son for forgiveness yet because I'm not out there. When I'm out there, that's when I wanna ask him for forgiveness because I, I do feel their pain when they talk to me. Yeah. And I do understand mm-hmm. it because I, I grew up without a father. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, man, just knowing that that you're that because of the life your father lived, yeah, it changed the course of your life. Yeah. And he wasn't even there. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't like, you know, he was physically abusing you or anything like that. It was yeah. just his reputation. Yeah. You like it's basically like you were paying for the sins of your father, man. I always believed that. You know, and I and I just want to just say personally, man, you know, uh it wasn't your fault. You know, it wasn't your fault, bro. Yeah. You know, you can't uh, you can't be you can't be responsible for some what somebody else did before you were even born. Growing up, like I had a lot of resentment towards my father. I felt like Bun felt like I blamed him for everything that happened in, happened in my life. And then I'm in this exact same position with my son not being there, not supporting him, missing his football, basketball games, uh, missing his eighth grade graduation, first first day of high school. And every time that I, I talk to him, it's like, man, this is, this is my situation. This is what I'm going through. Please forgive me. Mm-hmm. If, if it was my way, I would be there every step of the way. Every mm-hmm. moment in your life, I would be there the best I could. I think that's important for... Uh for a lot of a lot of cats in prison, a lot of men in prison, men out in prison, men out there in society, you mm-hmm. know, because I, I guarantee you, man, if we were to do a poll inside of these prison walls and ask about ask guys who's had a rocky relationship with their father, 
Man. I bet it'd be a high percentage, man. man. It's like a real 90%. high percentage. Yeah. You know, but more, you know more. but just hearing you just looking at you too and hearing you guys' stories about being being fathers from prisons, you know, there's a lot that you can do. You know, right. even though we made those bad choices and came to prison and you know, we can't take that back. We can't take back the pain that we caused, we can't mm -hmm. take the pain that we you know, the uh, abandonment that our children may have gone through. We can't take none of that back. But what we can do moving forward is stay connected. Right. Stay connected through letters, stay connected through phone calls, you know, visits if possible. Yeah. You know, so one, yeah, so once we do get back out there into the world, you'll be able to rebuild that relationship like Cleo did. Right. You know, yeah. Cleo was able to, to rebuild that relationship with his pops. So we all have these issues. We all have these father issues. But yeah. he, we have two choices. We can carry on with these issues and continue to go down that destructive path, or we can choose to forgive and heal and move forward. Thanks for listening. You can find Uncuffed on the radio at KALW 91.7 FM in the Bay Area at weareuncuffed.com, or you can subscribe to Uncuffed in any podcast player. In two weeks, we'll hear a story from the guys over at Solano. The Uncuffed crew at San Quentin is... Chanton Bunn. Shakur. I'm Edmund. Nathan McKinney. And I'm Tom. And me, I'm Greg Eskridge. Thanks to the team at KALW Public Radio. Nina Gensler-Debs, Angela Johnston, Andrew Steltzer, Marissa Ortega-Welch, Ben Trefney, and Eli Wirtshafter. Thanks to David Jossi here at San Quinn for our music. And thanks to the staff at San Quinn who make this all possible. Warden Davis, Mr. Brown, and Lieutenant Robinson who approves all content from Uncuffed. We fact-checked everything to the best of our ability. Uncuffed gets support from the California Arts Council and the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. Until next time.